Happy anniversary weekend, Stephen. Happy anniversary weekend, Erica. This story is really good. You're liking it. I am. This is just, this is classic science fiction with a moral and a mystery. And it looks like the sets were really cool. And I'm really enjoying watching this particular recon with the uh, linking narration. I think this is a great way to do it because I'm noticing that Peter Purvis, uh, as he's narrating, he fills in things that you would not necessarily get if you were just watching the story. Excuse me. Sorry, we... (laughs) We just ate a lot um, <laughs> earlier tonight. <laughs> we had pad thai. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, and we watched episode two of The Savages. That's Should right. probably say that. We didn't say that, did we? Mm-mm. No, we didn't. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So he will say things like, you know, Dodo walks down the cor- the corridor. Her curiosity peaked even more than before, or she nervously does this, or somebody is thinking that. So you get a little bit more insight into the characters than than you would just watching the show itself, which is. I don't know. That's pretty cool. Um, So even though we don't have any moving pictures, I think I'm enjoying this as much as I would be if we did. It's uh, edited well because like, you know, um, they might use like the same telesnaps a lot of the times when certain characters are speaking. But I mean, they're cutting sort of on the beat whenever they're, you know, someone's talking, boom, cut to that person, boom, cut to that. So it's like, it's a, it's a, (laughs) if such a thing can exist, it's a fast-moving recon. You know what I mean? <laughs> it does. It really feels like this is a pacey story, and the pictures are keeping up with with the story itself. It just—I don't know. I, I I feel a little. It's weird that I don't know more about this story. That people haven't talked about it more because I we we've come across a lot of stories where have they've either had strong reputations, good or bad, and this one doesn't. I mean, people just don't talk about it all that much that that I have run into. No, it's odd because it it comes between um, the gunfighters, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> famous or infamous in its mm-hmm. own right, and then the story that comes after this is the war machines, which exists. It, it, it it's there. Yeah, both those stories exist as well, and it's sort of a notable thing. So that's kind of why, mm-hmm. for some reason, the savages kind of gets overlooked a little bit, which is interesting. And the doctor in this story gets a real, like, you know, soapboxy high horse moment and just goes off on them, which is fun. Go William Hartnell. Go doctor. Right? I don't, I didn't recall that bit uh, and how um, vociferous he was in his opposition to that. Mm-hmm. And it almost represents a, a cha- you know, I'm trying to think, like, when's the, the last time the doctor has, like, sort of taken a cause to heart? As a, you know, he do, he he doesn't really sort of like say, oh, "I'm stopping this. This is terrible." This is you know, he's sort of like, you know what I mean? I think it's been. I mean, really, it's the, the Daleks are the the last you know in the Dalek invasion of Earth. I think is the last time that he stops and says, "We need to do something about this," right? Well, it's it, he's like saying, mm-hmm. "We have to stop the Daleks from conquering." He, this time, he's. You know, before he's sort of, you know, attacking the aggressors here, he's defending the helpless. And that's one of the first times that I think, I'm probably wrong, but the first times in recent memory anyway for me that I can remember William Hartnell's doctor doing that. Yeah, when you think about the later doctor coming, you know, he would he would waltz in and upset the apple cart and turn over the established order, you know, and then waltz away. Um, but that's that's one of the things that we think of as a hallmark of the doctor showing up, figuring out who's oppressed, 
you know, figuring out the power structure, you know, toppling the power structure and making sure that the oppressed have have a better voice and, and you know, better representation or, you know, end up on top somehow. Mm-hmm. And you know, we haven't gotten to the end of the story yet, so anything's possible. But here he's certainly recognized what's going on, which you could kind of tell through the first episode that he had an inkling. Um, and then he... Uh, here he makes it very clear like he's shutting dodo up and not letting her talk because he doesn't want them to hear what he is uh, or what she has seen uh-huh. in front of in front of them so so yeah he is he's recognizing what's going on and yeah this is if not the first certainly one of the very early times we see one of the most doctorish things happen and it actually it reminded me of this this story is you know it's not this isn't the first time probably that this particular type of story has played out. It reminds me of the Ursula K. Le Guin story, "The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelas," mm-hmm. which I know you've never read. Nope. Um, but I'm about to spoil a story um, from 1972, 1973, or something. So it came. You've been warned. So it came after this. So yeah, go go read it. That's actually a really good story. Um, it's not that long, but it's about a city called Omelas, which is just this utopia. Everything's perfect. You know, it's it is just wonderful. Everybody's happy. It's the best place to be ever. Um, but you find out about the one atrocity in this city, and that is that the happiness and joy and utopian nature of this city is all dependent upon the fact that they have one child, a child who is kept forever in darkness and misery and fear and filth. Like she's just locked up, or or he uh, is locked up you know, in a basement somewhere. And because of that, the city is able to be, to be happy and joyful. And once people reach a certain age, they are shown this and they have the choice to either stay and enjoy the beauty and wonderful that is wonderfulness that is Omelas, or they get to leave. And that's why it's called the ones who walk away from Omelas. And some people do, which I think, you know, pops up again, sort of in the beast below. That's exactly what I was going to raise. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of the same thing. So, I mean, we haven't gotten to the whole making the choice sort of a thing, but the idea that this society is so advanced and wonderful and everybody's perfect and happy because of the mistreatment of other people. That's it's kind of a similar, mm-hmm. similar classic science fiction idea. And, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning, I just love those classic science fiction ideas. So when they're done... When they're used, I'm happy. When they're done this well, I'm really, really happy. I uh, I didn't do my promised reading up on the story because you know we were on anniversary weekend, so I'd like to read more about it. But I'm I'm very much intrigued by you're intrigued by by those old timey science fiction ideas. I'm intrigued by the Ian Stewart Black angle and that he is really starting to speak up for the oppressed, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for the first time in sort of Doctor Who, and I can really start just to see. Um, how that theme sort of carries through the three stories that he writes and how how subversive Doctor Who is becoming so quickly under Innes Lloyd. Mm-hmm. You know, we sort of think of Patrick Troughton as sort of the iconoclast Doctor. And I can see where that approach to Doctor Who is heading just right now, just by watching The Savages. Yeah, it feels kind of it feels kind of pivotal. Like mm-hmm. uh, things have things have shifted. Um, also, another kind of shift is I was talking about Stephen sort of carrying the stupid ball last time, and to some extent, he kind of is. He's not quite being stupid, but he's being a little bit over the top in his franticness and worry for Dodo um, more than than I think necessarily would have 
totally fit his character earlier. I feel like he might have been a little bit more cool about things. You know, he's the he is the laid back future, you know, pilot astronaut guy, whatever. And now Dodo disappears and he starts, you know, rushing into the room and shouting, doctor, doctor. And the doctor's saying, you know, just, just settle down, my boy, she'll be fine. And he's, what are you talking about? Uh, but I feel like it's kind of an interesting reversal. That's the kind of frantic, you know, sort of screaminess almost that we would often get from female characters in, mm-hmm. in Doctor Who and other TV shows. The uh, Stephen is over emotional and he is he's reacting very emotionally to what's going on. And Dodo is the one who is being, you know, sort of puzzling things out and thinking, thinking analytically and, and straight about things. She doesn't quite figure things out, but she's she's got a feeling that something weird is going on and she's pretty calm about it. It just seems like an interesting flip uh, from the way things have been before and I kind of like it. Well, she's she's calm about it a little bit, but then she threatens to smash the whole lot of the, of oh, yeah. the machines there, which sort of breaks into the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the transference center. Yeah, but I don't think that's an emotional reaction. No. I think that is that is clever and canny because she... Strategy. Exactly. She realizes that that's, you know, she's, she's not a big person she's not going to be able to overpower them for very long she manages to fight them off a little while because they're surprised she's fighting back savages don't usually do that so much apparently which seems weird to me because they carry spears and stuff but but i guess they stop fighting once they get in the room just like what's her name did yeah because they got the little light guns which placates everyone yeah yeah so so she's smart enough to recognize oh these these machines are important to these people they probably cost a packet which made me laugh. Yep. And yeah, so she's going to she's she's using the tools that she has available to her and I think she's being really smart. I mean, I if this was the only Dodo story I had seen, I would have been like, "Hell yeah, Dodo's an amazing companion. She is great." So, you know, I one of the things that we had talked about on Verity was at some point doing a redeeming Dodo episode and I, there are a lot of stories where I got nothing to say, but I could I could go on about this one because at least in the first first two episodes, she is she's spot on. That's why I like a, this is why I like doing this podcast um, with you because I am getting a lot of insights into new things, and I like how you are reacting to some stories for the first time, and and you know as you say, the savages is kind of forgotten for some reason. And you are pulling out a whole bunch of stuff as to why it should not be forgotten because you're right, it is kind of a pivotal story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and now I kind of wonder was Stephen Moffat remembering this story in any way when he wrote the Be- he wrote the Beast Below, right? He did. Yeah, I thought so. I love the Beast Below. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just I wonder if he had that in the back of his mind at all when he was sort of you know writing the same kind of thing where you've got this this society that depends on the the torture of of another living creature. I don't know. I, someday I would be interested to know that if he ever does his a writer's tale, that's that's a question I want asked. Whoever's whoever's doing the emails back and forth with with Stephen Moffat, please make sure to ask him about the beast below and the savages. Thank you very much. Because it's a rite of passage. Tom Spillsbury with a person who's there emailing Stephen Moffat back and forth this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that'll happen. Yeah, totally. I'm just, I don't know. That's the kind of thing that I get curious about when I discover pieces of, because mm-hmm. there, there are 50 odd years of Doctor Who. There's so much there. I mean, maybe that wasn't something he was thinking of. It was just a subconscious thing. Maybe it was completely um, random, mm-hmm. but coincidental. But every time you run into something, I think the tendency is to link it to the future or the past. And when you see these these parallels and these echoes, it's it's a beautiful thing, whether it was meant to be or not. Mm-hmm. 
What was I going to... Oh, yeah, that's one thing I... <laughs> I don't know why. This feels... It felt more important last night when I felt I forgot to mention this. <laughs> After all this discussion about this great stuff, and, and now I remember to do it, it's just... It's, this, the, the production code of this story is um, AA as opposed to Zed because um, Zed was the gunfighters and now we've moved into the second round of <laughs> production codes for Doctor Who... Which I find intriguing that uh, the you know AA is is when they they decide to uh, abandon the um, uh, the what you call it the uh, um, episode titles the individual episode titles so that's 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 a good thing to sort of end the discussion part of the episode but um, but anyway uh, what what else do you have to say I have other things to say about this story but before we do that I think we need to take an important break yes we do mm-hmm. yeah. Um, as you guys know, we are on the Incomparable Network, which we are very happy about. And this, as it is now March, as we record this, if it's if it's later, it's not March anymore. Uh, this is the time of year when we remind you about how you guys can support this, our little podcast. Um, you can become a member of the Incomparable Network. Well, a member of the Incomparable. An Incomparable member. You can sign up for monthly or annual pledges to support our podcast directly. It's really easy. All you have to do is go to theincomparable.com slash members, and that is where you can sign up. And then you will be asked to pick the shows on the network that you would like to support. All you have to do is check the little box next to Lazy Doctor Who. And if that's the only box you check, then your entire contribution comes to little old us. Yay! <laughs> Woo! After a few fees are taken out um, for, you know, network stuff, but that is totally, totally uh, understandable and, and good. Um, we support those fees. Uh, yeah. If you listen to other podcasts on the Incomparable Network, which we recommend, um, you can also check those boxes and then your contribution will just be shared equally by all of the shows that you want to support. And this is the exciting part. Do you want to talk about the exciting part? Where is the exciting part? Right there. I wasn't able to read along. Uh, as a thank you for supporting us, members receive extras, including exclusive bonus audio, a live bootleg fee- feed of The Incomparable, and a members-only Slack group. Uh, since this is pledge season, this month, many of the shows on the network will be posting bonus episodes just for members. And lo and behold... We have at least one Mm -hmm. special members-only episode coming sometime in the month of March Mm -hmm. uh, once I get it edited. Um, (laughs) But we're lazy, so that's going to take some work. Mm -hmm. Uh, But anyway, the... the, I think we should tell them more about what that that fun episode is. I wasn't sure how secret it's supposed to be. Go ahead. Um, Okay, so... I, I won't go into great detail, but if you, uh, if you listen to the game show network, well, the game show on the Incomparable Network, uh, you may have heard Low Definition. And if you listen to Verity Podcast, you may have recently heard Verity Extra we did uh, called You Autocomplete Me. Uh, we have totally blatantly stolen the You Autocomplete Me round from Steve Lutz on the Low Definition game show and done exactly what I did on Verity Uh except we have called it Who Complete Me because it's all Doctor Who related and Brian Hamilton came up with that title and we love it and it's hilarious. Thanks, Brian. Yep. So it is a game show with several of the other people from the Incomparable Network um, playing I'm the Host. So Stephen got to play along and uh, yeah, trying to figure out what people Googled about Doctor Who and it is pretty hilarious if I do say so myself. Yeah, it's a good time. Good episode. Um, We had fun recording it. I remember that. 
Um, so that'll come out later. And then uh, we're also planning another episode. I don't know how much you want to talk about that one because we haven't actually recorded it yet. So in my line of business, uh, we don't talk about things <laughs> until it's actually happened. Yeah, we might try to do another game show of some of some sort, um, which who knows, maybe we'll just decide to post that in the regular feed to give people an idea of how fun it is to listen to us play silly Doctor Who games. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so yeah, there are uh, membership contribution levels at $5, $10, and $20 per month. And of course, annual equivalents are available as well. If you guys are already a member, it's very easy to increase your pledge to a higher level and get some special goodies in return. Uh, so if you would like to support us, go to the incomparable.com slash members to sign up. Um, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all the people who support us and all the people who are even thinking about it. And really, to everybody who just even listens, because we love you. We do. We love our listeners. We love our listeners. Okay, so back to talking about this story. <laughs> the pledge break is over. Uh, the tote bags are all gone. We just sold. The la- we just got the last one. So we're back to regular programming. Yes. Yeah, my uh, the the mugs that uh, that the TARDIS disappears. No, appears when you put hot liquid in it. I don't know. I never had one of those, and I always wanted one. Oh, I wish I could have had one of those. I had a T-shirt. I actually one of the pledge breaks that I bought in the nineties. I had a T-shirt that actually the logo. It reacted body heat now that I think about it. The logo would actually, the TARDIS would disappear if you got, I still have that t-shirt, but I think the uh, the disappearing TARDIS logo, but you know, it's the same kind of things on the side of the mug. Um, I had that. I never, I forgot about that until this very moment. Okay, when we get home, you need to bust out that shirt because I must see it. Even if it doesn't work anymore, like you got to find that. I'll do my best. Mm-hmm. I think it's somewhere, pretty sure it's somewhere. I wouldn't have got rid of that one, right? I still have my whole, the armpits like all holed up uh, with the doctor, the neon logo glow in the dark shirt. So I, if I'm not getting rid of that one, surely I wouldn't have get out, gotten rid of the other one. <laughs> Hope I didn't. Oh boy. Oh, well, the look on his face, you guys, is so pained. Well, I got rid of, an, of the Paul McGann logo shirt that I had for some reason. I think I, yeah, I know. What was I thinking? <laughs> Why did I do that? Why did I get rid of that t-shirt? Oh, past me. You're so stupid. This is exactly what the BBC must be thinking when they got rid of old Doctor (laughs) Who episodes. I get rid of old Doctor Who t-shirts. I hope I still have that one. We'll look. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll follow up on a future podcast. Please if uh, please poke us on Twitter if we haven't uh, mentioned it in the next few episodes because, yeah, I want to find that. Hmm. Um, Oh, yeah. Okay, but the savages. Savages. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I find myself torn a little bit between wanting this story to come back and just loving it so much the way that it is 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 here with the uh, with the linking narration and stuff. But one of the reasons that I would like to see it moving is simply I felt like the telesnaps were like you said they were they were good and they were well used. But I wanted to see more of the way the set was mm-hmm. set up, especially for the the you know laboratory room and the control center and stuff like th- that. The glass box with the smoke inside of it that looked fantastic i would love to see that moving i mean i feel terrible for whoever was in that box because i can only imagine what kind of smoke machine they were using back in the 60s and they probably had some some serious lung issues after that (laughs) just guessing but it looked really really cool and every time they talked about the black liquid that was you know bubbling and becoming clear i wondered how they were doing that and how that was being um how that was being sort of captured on on, on on camera uh, and I think there was one shot that was a little bit of that but mm-hmm. not much like I couldn't quite tell what it was yeah 
I don't know either. It was tough to tell sometimes. But William Hartnell apparently was one of the people in there mm-hmm. at the very end of the episode as he was sort of having his mind drained by these people in this weird technological society. I and and maybe this will be answered later in the uh later in the episode, but I was also interested in that to see that the process went very differently when the doctor was in there. And, you know, is it just because he has much more education and training and stuff than all the savages and is is just, you know, a smarter guy? Um, Or is it because he just hasn't been drained again and again for his entire life, so he's more resilient? Or is it because, as we now know, he's not human um, and he's from another planet and he's a Time Lord and... Yeah, like what kind of what kind of headcanon repercussions is this action going to have? I mean, does this directly lead to his regeneration? Would he not have regenerated if he hadn't been drained like this? I don't know. I don't. I mean, maybe, maybe he gets every all of his all of his health pumped back into him in a later episode of this story. I don't know. I'm just excited to find out. And my brain is going a mile a minute trying to trying to think. Ooh, this is excitement. But we're too tired to watch episode three tonight. Yeah, that's true. And we have some hockey uh, highlights to watch. I don't recommend watching your favorite team play a game in a bar in a city that doesn't care about your favorite team because it's very difficult to pay attention and nobody cares and people stand in front of you. So, yeah, we got to catch up on our Oilers. It's important to experience hockey and Doctor Who um, from a multitude of different perspectives. And sometimes watching your team in a different city, in a bar, which is indifferent to the fate of said team, is a necessary um, experience to understand how much you appreciate your own hockey team. Ah, kind of like watching a Doctor Who reconstruction with linking narration gives you a different perspective on the story than you would have gotten by watching it uh, whole and moving with just the actors portraying things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye.